The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Ah, it's never too early for some rankings debates. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, November 23rd. Frank Stanfield here, no Scott White, and you might be wondering why you have a podcast in your feed on a Monday. But considering it's Thanksgiving week, I figured we'd change up the schedule a little bit. Get these out to you on Monday and Wednesday in case you're traveling, you want to listen while you're on the road, or if you're just tired of listening to your family on Thanksgiving, you want to go somewhere else and listen to this podcast, uh, you have them early in the week. Scotty Dubs is out, hopefully watching Euro Trip somewhere, uh, but I got a pretty awesome duo to fill in his place. You might have heard of them. It's Bubba and the Bat Flip Week here on the podcast. Joining me today is Brian and Trickin, a.k.a. Bubba. The host of Bench with Bubba, the podcast, writer at Roto Bowler and Fantasy DJs. Follow him on Twitter at B D N T R E K. B D E N T R E K. What's going on, Bubba? Not much, Frank. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the introduction. It's uh, awesome to be here, and it's never too early for rankings debates. So get your turkey ready, maybe a, a turkey sandwich late night, and uh, enjoy the, the rankings. It's going to be a good time. Oh, absolutely. You a big Thanksgiving guy? I'm just a big guy, so of course I like to eat a good meal on a on a Thanksgiving. But uh, I enjoy it. I, I like it better than Christmas meal. Let's put it that way. But I, I, I'm also not going to get into the debate: is uh, Thanksgiving meal the best meal? Because in reality, we really don't need turkey meals. Like, like I get it. So I enjoy it though. It's fine. You wait. So you're not a turkey guy? No, I don't mind it. But that's a massive debate, at least in uh, the Twitter world, the last couple of years. Is it's why do we enjoy turkey one day a year type thing? What's so overrated? So I don't get into that. I enjoy it. I'm a dark meat guy. If you're going to get really technical on this, okay. but uh, yeah, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy Thanksgiving the most, I think, because you get the three football games and Absolutely. all that good stuff. Yeah. Dude. I mean, you get to sit around, drink, eat, watch football all day long. Yep. I mean, what can be better than that? I, I can't imagine many things, but Adam Azer and I have been arguing recently on fantasy football today about ham being better than Turkey on Thanksgiving. Oh uh, No, so. no, not a chance. No, not a chance. No ham. Are you a ham guy? I, I prefer. I'm. I like both, but I do like ham more than turkey. On Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. But I'll, I'm going to eat both. I'm going to have a portion <laughs> of ham and turkey on my plate. But I do. You're prefer, an equal opportunist. I appreciate it. I, I prefer the ham. Today on the show, we do have rankings debates, as you would have guessed by now. We have some news items from over the weekend, and Brian, Bubba, Brian or Bubba. I'm going to call you Bubba. Is a big Metallica fan, so. People probably know by now, I'm a big Metallica guy. We'll save that for the very end. We'll do our top five Metallica songs. We'll talk it through a little bit. Whether you like Metallica, you don't have to listen to that uh, part if you don't want to. But hey, if you want to jump in or if you just want to hear what we have to say about Metallica, feel free. We'll do that towards the end of the podcast. Some news and notes uh, from over the weekend, Bubba. Some notable names were left off their team's 40-man rosters. And the ones that stood out most to me that were DFA'd, Renato Nunez, Hunter Renfro, and Trevor Williams. Renato Nunez in particular, okay, he's not a great defensive player. I get it. Uh, how useful is he? He's a DH who is going to hit around 250, and he has some pop. But, I mean, he was pretty damn good this past season. So, do you think he lands somewhere else with a starting job? Yeah, I think he will because, you know, the nationally, the biggest thing I think that got them with the universal DH this last year is they weren't built for a DH. It was kind of a later in the season situation where the American leagues build for a DH. So going into this off season, now you have 15 teams, let's say a few guys teams already have them. So now you have like say 10 teams that actually need a designated hitter. 
So Ronaldo Nunez will be able to put one out there. You look at the, like the NL West, a lot of left-handed bats out there. He could find a landing spot there. The Giants could give him a cheap deal and enjoy him. Like there's a lot of teams that could uh, use a Ronaldo Nunez pop in their lineup. Yeah, I guess we have to wait and see if the DH will be in the National League. Uh, yeah. I hope it it's is. It's going to. It's going to. It's, it's a bargaining chip right now. That's all it is. That's right. all it is. Yeah. It would be great. I'm a big Dom Smith fan, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it would help someone like Renato Nunez land back on his feet. And he had a good year. He had 256, 12 home runs, 816 OPS. He's a fine player, especially in Roto, corner infielder, perfectly fine with Renato Nunez. So uh, I hope he does land somewhere with some kind of starting gig. Um, some notable names that were added to 40-man rosters that I noticed. Forrest Whitley, Nolan Jones, prospect for the Cleveland Indians. Brandon Marsh, prospect for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And Matt Manning, of course, with the Detroit Tigers, who uh, we had the Welsh on recently talking prospects, and he's pretty excited about Matt Manning. He thinks he can be the best of the, the Tigers' young pitchers there. So uh, I'm excited as well to see him in 2021. John Morosi of MLB.com reported that the Washington Nationals have interest in trading for Chris Bryant, and the Dodgers are interested in trading for Nolan Arenado. Bubba, which of those two do you think is more likely to be traded, or do you think they're both going to be traded, Chris Bryant and Nolan Arenado? I think there's a good chance they're both traded. I don't think these are the deals that take place. I could see Chris Bryant going to the Nationals because uh, the, the Cubs are wanting to move that salary and the potential future salary, and the Nationals could use another power bat in that lineup with Rendon leaving a couple of years ago and Harper leaving and everything. So they could use that to go with the lefty uh, Soto, of course. But – I could see Arenado moving. I just really don't think the Dodgers in division that's happening. So they should both be traded by some time in the season, but uh, Bryant much more likely. Are you one of the people that believe if Nolan Arenado leaves Coors Field, his, not that his value would completely plummet, but in early drafts, he's going in the third round and he's consistently been over 900 OPS in his career year in and year out. And I, I probably would think he drops down to like, a mid 800s OPS, like an 850 OPS hitter if he leaves uh, Coors Field, which is still useful, but it's probably not a third round bet. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. It's like, it's one of those people, some people say he's going to take a massive drop off, and I still think he's a very, very good hitter. So I'm not going to go that far. So like you said, there'll be a little drop. It's just you got to be realistic. Coors Field is crazy. That's just the way it is. But he's also going to be very, very serviceable, and uh, he'll make some team very, very, very happy, but not quite the Coors Field Nolan Arenado. Yeah, I mean, we saw two professional hitters in DJ LeMahieu and Matt Holiday both leave Coors Field, and, and they were still pretty damn good. In fact, DJ LeMahieu's better now than he's ever been, so that's honestly just a little weird. Uh, but Matt Holiday, when he went over to the Cardinals, he was still really, really good. So uh, I'm not going to completely write off Arenado, but his value probably takes a hit. I 100% only threw this news item in here, Bubba, because you are a Giants fan, but Tyler Beatty, uh, who underwent Tommy John surgery back in March, said in an interview on MLB Network Radio this past Thursday that he's hoping to return to the Giants rotation in May, and he was actually somebody I was pretty... Okay, I'm not going to use the word excited, but I will say interested in heading into the 2020 season. I I saw some interesting things in the underlying numbers for Beatty, so I'll just... Throw that name out there, and people remember it come March or June, uh, May or June. Yeah, no, I agree. He's going to get his chance. I was excited for him going into 2020 as well for you know, like TGFBI and early drafts that took place before his injury. I had him on rosters like later in drafts, so I was happy with him. But you look at the Giants, you know, rotation potentially going to 2021: Gossman, Cueto, Tyler Anderson, Logan Webb, Andrew Suarez. Yeah, there's about three spots there he could take us take him. So uh, Beatty will get his chance once healthy. Remember the name, Tyler Beatty. Rankings debates. Let's just jump right in here, Bubba, and we're gonna work our way backwards. We'll start in outfield, move over to uh, over to the infield, and eventually make our way to. Catcher. We're going to be focusing on hitters today uh, just for this exercise. Teoscar Hernandez is the first one that stood out, and everyone can find your rankings over at fantasydgens.com, correct? Yes, that's where all my rankings will be this season. Cool. Um, so, Teoscar Hernandez, Bubba, you have him as your 12th ranked outfielder heading into 2021, and he was ridiculous in 2020. The shortened season, he hit 289, 16 home runs, 33 runs, 34 RBI. Six steals in just 50 games. And he showed a little bit of this in the second half of 
2019 as well. Uh, StatCast really likes this guy. The one issue I would say in his profile is the strikeouts, but it seems like it doesn't scare you enough based on where you have him ranked. So um, how do you feel about Teoscar? Why do you like him so much? Why do you have him ranked this high? And do you think you're putting too much stock into just 2020? Because that's something that we have to wrestle with every single player that we're evaluating from this past season. How do we weigh what they did this year, especially for players who just had career years like Teoscar Hernandez? And that, that's one of the hardest parts of this offseason. Like you've probably talked about many, many times that 2020, how do we use it? It's going to be tricky. And with Teoscar, you mentioned the second half of 2019. So I kind of bring that in with the 2020. I was a big Teoscar guy when he got traded from Houston to uh, Toronto in the wonderful Francisco Lariano deal. And because I knew the talent level that he was, but the Astro system was so deep, people really didn't pay a ton of attention to him. So you look at even 2018, 22 homers, five steals. 2019, 26 homers, six steals. Strikeout rates have been high in his entire career. But the idea of he got six steals and 16 homers, okay, the, the power, maybe he's still a 25 to 30 guy. I think he's closer to 30 home runs. But now you got a guy that really could steal you 10 to 15 bags. So now if we're talking 25 to 30 homers, 10 to 15 steals, maybe hit you 260, not 290, that's still like an elite four-and-a-half to five-category guy because the way I look at things now, batting average isn't what it used to be. You used to draft for like a 280 to 300 average. Most hitters now hit 260 to 270. Like That's like a really good hitter nowadays because strikeouts are going up. They're acceptable. It's a three-true outcome. So at Teoscar, the stat cast numbers drop off the page. He's still getting better with age. Uh, there's a lot that I like with Teoscar Hernandez, and I might be a little overzealous or excited about him, but um, I will be jumping on the train this year. Yeah, and admittedly, you know, as as we move further into the offseason, like I'm going to be looking at these players for the first time. And I didn't really deep dive Teoscar Hernandez until I saw where you have him ranked, and that kind of jumped off the screen to me. And I, I have him at outfielder twenty two, so ten spots behind you, but I, I I wanted to move him up almost because and I know this is supposed to be a debate, but I do have him um ten spots behind you. But the stat cast numbers, you brought him up, the he's in a 96th percentile or better in hard hit rate, average exit velocity, expected slug, barrel rate. He had a 115.9 mile per hour max exit velocity, which through more research we're finding out is a sign of, of you know, power, right? So like the more, the, the higher max exit velocity that you have on a, on a single batted ball, uh, the more that correlates with being a legitimate power hitter. The one thing that's wrong with him is the strikeouts, but We've seen guys like Aaron Judge be able to get by with a 30% strikeout rate because he impacts the ball so hard. So it could be something similar to Teoscar Hernandez. But yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, should, do, I, do I actually need to move this guy up? The name that I have just ahead of him is someone who you seem a little bit lower on, and it's Charlie Blackman, also in the outfield. And I get it. Look, father time catches up to everybody. And Blackman will turn 35 years old in July next season. You have him outfielder 25. I have him one spot higher than T. Oscar Hernandez. Bubba, I mean, this is just, it was such a weird season for Charlie Blackman. He got off to that ridiculous start, his first 28 games. He hit 405. He had an OPS over 1,000, 34% line drive rate. Um, and in his final 31 games, he hit just 200 with a, with a 603 OPS. Uh, and his line drive rate dropped down to 22%. His home road splits were weird. His lefty-righty splits were weird. What, what is going on with Charlie Blackman? What do we do? Are you? Is this the year that you're just like, I want to get out one year early rather than one year too late on Charlie Blackman? And it's probably more that. It's more that I want to get out early each year. I'd have to go back and look at my 2019 rankings, but I know I had him like outfielder maybe 13 or so, which even then was going later than most expected him to go. You you, you mentioned the splits in the season. The, there's a hot start to the finish. And if you just go to a stat cast page, you know, 4.9% barrel rate, the lowest of his career. Uh, you look at his hard hit rate, 29.7% lowest of his career. That was in the wonderful 11th percentile in baseball. His barrel rate was the 25th percentile in baseball. Yikes. You just look at everything he does, even his strikeout rate, it's not bad, but it even went up a little bit this last year. Everything he was doing, if you take out even that first two, like three weeks or whatever, it was four weeks, these numbers would be even like, way worse. There's something that might concern me, like just with the age situation going on there. He doesn't run at all anymore. So if that batting average starts dropping, the power starts dropping, he is a like fifth outfielder, fourth maybe in certain leagues. 
and now you just really got hurt. So at that point in the draft, I'll go for like an SP3, maybe an SP4, depending on how you're drafting or another position, and I'll just pass on Charlie Blackman thinking, you know what, if he does it again, congrats to whoever had, had uh, the, the stones to do it, basically. Yeah, so his early NFBC ADP is 99.1. That's for Charlie Blackman. For Teoscar Hernandez, it was 67.8. So most people seem to agree with you that Teoscar Hernandez is going about 30 picks higher than Charlie Blackman uh, thus far. I still feel like he's safe for probably a 280 batting average, 25 home runs, which, yeah, I mean, maybe that doesn't move the needle for some people. And if they trade away Nolan Arenado, the counting stats are probably going down for Charlie Blackman as well. So, well, you know, if they do trade Arenado away, I'll have to adjust these rankings and, and move Blackman down a little bit. One thing I was going to ask you about the Rockies players, Bubba, is for this, for the Statcast numbers, it seems like all of them have lower expected stats than uh, just in, in general, right? Like just other elite players at those positions. Nolan Arenado's expected stats, Trevor Story expected stats because they play in Coors Field, so obviously they have that Babbitt boost there. So should we maybe not put as much into the underlying Statcast numbers for somebody like Charlie Blackman? They were never really great to begin with if you look kind of year by year. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. That's why like, I'll stick to the barrels and the, the hard hit rates because that's wherever you play baseball. Mm-hmm. But uh, the X stats, yeah, you're right, because they talk about the spacious outfield where all these extra balls land and all these different things that take place in Coors Field. So it is a very good point, and that's one thing when uh, I try to emphasize looking at you know StatCast pages, even Fangraphs pages, every player is case by case. Like There's so many underlying facts. Like The next guy we're going to talk about, there's a lot of stuff that took place off the field that's going to factor with them. So when you dig in, this is, these are great tools to like get the, like just the, the bits and pieces. And then you dig deeper and find some other stuff. So Coors Field does play a huge factor, of course. So you're likely not having any black men in 2021. No, I, I will not own Charlie Blackman unless he really falls. Like he'd mm-hmm. have to fall like 120 plus. And then I'd be like, okay, if he's my fourth outfielder, now we can talk, but where you're taking him, he's probably your third outfielder. And I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. So I've already done a, NFBC draft champions is a 15 team roto draft and hold. There's no waivers. There's no trading. It's just 50 rounds. You have a huge bench and you set your lineup basically all season. And I got Blackman there as my second outfielder, I think in round eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for batting average at that point. Uh, the last thing that I will reiterate for Blackman is just the splits for him in 2020, he had a 797 OPS in Coors Field for his career. That's 987. So, yeah, I would imagine that gets better. Um, and then against right handed pitching in 2020, a 736 OPS in his career, an 876 OPS. So, if those things regress normally, um, I think we see a bit of a bounce back for Charlie Blackman. He's certainly not going to run anymore. That's for sure. You hinted at it. Yoan Moncada will turn 26 next season. Uh, just had a really, really weird season in 2020. He had 225, six homers, 28 runs scored, 24 RBI, uh, and zero steals in 52 games. He was dealing with a COVID situation. He tested positive for COVID before summer camp, and apparently it affected him throughout the course of the season. I found this quote a little bit earlier. It's like a daily battle to try and find that strength, the energy to go through the day, Mankata said through an interpreter, but that's something that I have to deal with, and it is what it is. I have to find a way to get through that. And that was that he was quoted saying that back in September. So this is something he was openly dealing with, and I'm kind of doing the same thing that you're doing with Mankata, uh, Bubba, for... Austin Meadows. I'm basically just giving Austin Meadows a pass for this year. So uh, you have Moncada as your sixth ranked third baseman. I have him 10th. It's not a huge difference, but you are still buying in on Moncada. Yeah, and you nailed the reason why. I'm giving him a pass. Like, there's certain guys I, I'm not going to because of other factors, but when he comes out and says this, and you've heard it in different stories about COVID affects different people, and that really has to make you think, okay, this is tough. And we've even seen Eduardo Rodriguez who had to miss the season because of it. He's coming back and saying now he's getting healthier. He, a lot of things Mankata's talked about, Eduardo's talked about. Now he's already saying, I feel great. I'll be ready for the start of the season. Mankata probably just needed to take some time. Like he really did to, to let his body heal. And, and he, he pushed through it. So I'm okay giving him that. And I love Mankata because I like targeting guys that can give me a lot of power, can chip in in, sp- in speed. Um, bad average, it's wishy-washy with Mankata. That's a big question mark with Mankata. But again, he's another guy, 20-plus homers, 10-plus steals, 
on a very, very loaded offense. He's another guy that's younger, getting better. I look for all those kind of things that they can keep taking the next step. Um, he hits the ball stinking hard, and that's why people say, well, he's got this huge Babbitt. Well, when you hit the ball as hard as he does, he, the Babbitt usually follows. That's just plain, plain as day. So I'm going to give him a pass this year, and I'm just going to be sticking to my guns, basically my 2019 thoughts on him. That's how I'm going to look at 2021 with Juan Moncada. The one thing that I will say about him, Bubba, is that he has been inconsistent in his career even before this, right? So you look at the OPS in each of the past three seasons. It was 705 this year. I think we give him a pass. I liked him a lot entering 2020 as well uh, before this whole COVID situation happened. 915 OPS in 2019. That was the breakout for Moncada. Uh, and then a 714 OPS in 2018. So there is a level of inconsistency with him early on in his career. And it just seems like we're kind of chasing that upside because of, you know, the prospect status. And uh, it's just, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's ever going to happen. Honestly, like uh, consistently for, for Moncada. So uh, it's just the one thing that I worry about is that we have, we have seen a decent amount of this inconsistency when it comes to uh, Moncada early on his plate discipline too. Like it's all over the place. In, In 2019, he, you know, he dropped the strikeout rate, but he also walked less. He was more aggressive. And then that changed this past season as well. So um, the ADP early on, 87.5 for Moncada. Last year was 64.4. So if you are like Bubba and you do want to buy back in on Moncada, you're getting about a 20 to 25 pick sale difference from last year, uh, at least depending on early drafts, uh, some of this ADP that we have early on here. Someone else that has huge upside, massive upside, obviously, we just saw it, uh, was Fernando Tatis. Huge prospect pedigree. We just saw where he finished the season. Uh, second over, uh, among shortstops. He was the fourth best player in Roto overall. Uh, 277 batting average, 17 home runs, 50 runs scored, 45 RBI, 11 steals in 59 games. This isn't a huge difference. I have him as my first-ranked shortstop. You have him as your third-ranked shortstop. But some people might think that you're crazy for that. Why is that, Bubba? Yeah. No, a lot of people do. I've got this question a lot, but with me, Trey Turner, I've always, I've always believed Trey Turner is a much more powerful pe- than people give him credit for, and he's starting to show that. I literally think he's got the 25-plus homer upside, where Tatis might have more, but the difference between the two is Turner's going to be having a better batting average than Tatis more often than not. Like Tatis hit 277 last year. That's great, but there's, there's still a lot of um, – swing and miss in Tatis at times that I, I'm concerned about because he'll go through stretches where he gets very, very aggressive and things get get wild. And even look at like his second half of last season, or at least the last, like just the month of September, it was a bit of a downturn for, for uh, Tatis. So he didn't finish as strong as you'd hope for. He has a lot of like sections of his seasons like that we've seen in the first two years. And that's something that concerns me a little bit where Turner just keeps going unless he gets hurt. And then I have story at number two. And that's basically – it was Tatis and Story were like 1A or 2A, 2B, and Coors Field got him too. That's pretty much what that turns into. Because what we've seen with Story now, I don't think people appreciate enough what he's doing on the field when it comes to power speed. And he's done it consistently year after year now for about three or four years. And that gives him the bump over Tatis for me. It's really no slight on Tatis. It just goes to show you how deep shortstop is. Like you got Lindor, you got Tim Man. Like there's so many talented shortstops now. So it's not a slight on him. It's just I think I've seen enough from Turner and Story, that consistency factor. If you're going to have to use an early pick on these guys, I want that consistency in the early rounds over a Tatis. Yeah, so it sounds like you won't have much Tatis either because his ADP is 2.7 as of now, and he's going behind only Ronald Acuna, and he's going ahead of Mookie Betts. And a reminder, this average draft position data that we have is from the NFBC, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, and these are roto drafts. So for people who play in head-to-head points leagues, you might say, well, oh, why is Fernando Tatis going second overall? I mean, there's probably going to be pitchers that go up there, and Mookie Betts is better than him in that format. So keep these things in mind. Uh, But... I agree with what you said. As the season went on for Fernando Tatis, the one thing that stood out to me was the ground ball rate by month, Bubba. Went from 40% in July to 47% in August, 52% in September. And that basically correlated with his fly balls and his line drives going down, which ultimately uh, affected his power. But the plate discipline, the improvements in plate discipline were great. I mean, um, from 2019 to 2020, he goes from an 8% walk rate to 10.5%, uh, the strikeout rate dropping from 29% to 23%. And Stackass just absolutely loves this guy. So, uh, Bubba, 
you're going to put him at, at shortstop three. You're going to play it a little bit safer. Uh, I have no problem with taking him as early as third overall. I think I would take uh, Ronald Acuna and Mookie Betts ahead of him in Roto Leagues, uh, and then I would slot Tatis in third overall. That's uh, I feel comfortable sure. taking him there. There's, there's just one more thing I have on Tatis. It's, yep. When you look at the StatCast page, it's like he went from 13.2 barrels to 19.5, hard hit of 44 to 62. Like that's awesome, that's but is that sustainable that big of a gap? That's I mean, like <laughs> we can't. I can't even put it. I don't even that's know insane. how I can compare <laughs> to like uh, how much he improved year over year. I mean, it's just yep. it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you mentioned 44 percent hard hit to 62. He's, yeah, it's probably not going to maintain that. Uh, 95.9 mile per hour. Yeah. Average exit Average. velocity. That's insane. Like the numbers were awesome. There's a reason he performed the way he performed. Like it's all in front of us. It's just how can you sustain that for 162 games? That's that's asking a lot. So I do have to, to this point in his career, he's played 143 career games total since mm-hmm. the start of 2019. And in those 143 games, 301 batting average, 39 homers, 111 runs, uh, 98 RBI, 27 steals. Like we're, good. we're talking about a potential 40-30 guy. It's mm-hmm. just, it's insane. Um, but he hasn't done it over the course of a full season, so I understand why uh, someone might want to play it safe, especially with Trey Turner with the steals in Roto. Uh, I can see why someone would want to do that. His teammate, Jay Cronenworth, we, uh, they were basically the inverse of each other where T- Tatis got off to this amazing start. No, rather they, were, they did the same thing. They both kind of slowed down as the season went along. Um, but... You are you're knocking Tatis for it, but you're not knocking Jake Cronenworth for it, Bubba. Why is that? This goes to the position okay. more than anything. A Cronenworth, I trust his bad and average to be consistent. He's gonna, you know, get you like 15-ish homers, 15-ish steals, very solid production for second base. And it's just something that's big. If like I look at my rankings where I have Cronenworth at five, then you have Altuve, Brandon Lau, Keston Hira, Glaber Torres, Kevin Biggio. Lots of question marks there as well. I'll take the Cronenworth. 15-15 upside with a good batting average on a very good uh, offense and go that route. It's a pedigree we've seen through the minor leagues with Cronenworth. Um, you mentioned the Welsh earlier. He's talked to me about Cronenworth a ton, and he's seen him, and and he's a prospect guru type guy. So I'm, I'm a big fan of binding on Cronenworth. He just kind of got his feet wet last year. You let him get there, and hopefully they're smart enough to put him like behind Tatis at two in the order or something, right in the middle of Tatis and Machado, that he could feast. And that's, where I'm, that's why I'm, I'm kind of – going high on him because I want to have that guy on my roster to really uh, enjoy that the wealth of the Padres offense. Yeah, so you mentioned you have him as your fifth-ranked second baseman. I have him down at 12, so this is one that we actually do differ on quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. Uh, but second base is so bad. It's I, I mean, after you get past DJ LeMahieu, Ozzie Albies, I think most people are going to have one and two in some type of order. Whit Merrifield is up there. I was not a believer in Whit Merrifield entering last season, and he completely shut me up. Cattell Marte, who is the real Cattell Marte? Uh, was he just yeah. battling a wrist injury all last year, and, and that's what hurt his production? Or uh, was it the juice ball that really helped him in, in 2019? Altuve looked great in the postseason. I mean, is, is that the Altuve we should trust, or was it the Altuve that we saw uh, for most of this past season? And, you know, is, is this, whole, this whole situation with uh, the cheating scandal, too, I think it probably affected him more than anyone else. Like, if you watch playoff games, they were talking about how he's a sensitive dude and he actually let all this this whole kind of situation get to him and it affected his production. Um, so, I don't know if that's going to be a thing next year. If there are fans in the stands at some point, yeah. the Astros are going to hear it. <laughs> you can guarantee that. Um, but just regarding getting back to Cronenworth, uh, I did want to ask you just about the splits, too, if you have any concern over the splits, because I noticed against right-handed pitching... Uh, Cronenworth is a lefty. He was great against righties. 316 batting average, 963 OPS. Against lefties, 218 with a 550. Does it worry you at all? It's not great. I'm not going to say it's. Uh, it doesn't not concern me. It's one of those, though, I, I say it a lot, maybe I'm stubborn with it when it comes to young players. Let me see them do it for a little while. Like As a Giants fan, I was always fed up when they said Brandon Belt couldn't hit lefties. And then they finally let him hit him for a year. Now he, like, people are like, oh, wait, he can't hit lefties. That happens to a lot of young players. So let's like let's let the wheels go in motion for a little bit. If we get to this conversation uh, next offseason, then it might get a little more interesting. But I think there's there's something that he can make adjustments because he's I think he's a good pure hitter. I think he's like a Jeff McNeil type, maybe a little less average, but more consistent power. 
So just give him a chance to try to hit these lefties. I think he'll be better than he was this past year. Yeah, it's not a bad call. And, and StatCast really likes Jake Cronenworth as well. I mean, we're talking about 98th percentile and expected batting average, a 324 XBA. Uh, he had a 541 X slug. That was in a 91st percentile. As a second baseman, too, he does have multiple uh, multi-position eligibility. He has first, mm-hmm. second, and shortstop. First and second are two of the worst positions, uh, at least what I'm getting at early on here, Bubba. So uh, I can see liking him the fifth ranking at second base. It's a little, it's a little rich. It's, I, I understand. It's a little aggressive. It's, a little it's, a little aggressive. It's, it's one of those. It's one of those where I tell people, well, these are my rankings. So I've, there's certain guys I plant my flags on. That's just how it's going to go. And uh, I have, I'm all about the debates and conversations on it. And this is one that I've gotten from a lot of people. So this, it, I, I'm expecting this throughout the whole uh, season. Yeah, and uh, just I didn't even mention other names at second base, but like, what do we do with Brandon Lau? He was yep. super inconsistent. He was very streaky. He was bad for most of the postseason. Uh, and then Kevin Biggio too. It's just, it seems like he's going to be a drain on your batting average. He's the opposite of Cronenworth in terms of Statcast numbers. They really don't like what he did. So uh, yeah, it's just not a good position. So it's, it's a position you really need to like get early or just wait to the end to try to fill like a category you're really feeling deficient on. Yeah, that seems fair. That seems fair uh, when it comes to the second base position. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind everybody that you should be watching Champions League soccer this week on CBS All Access. The games are on Tuesday and Wednesday. A full slate of games at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Best teams in the world are in action. Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Barcelona, Juventus, and many more. Again, make sure to watch that on CBS All Access. And if you enjoy FBT, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash today. You can see what all of our guests look like. You can see what Bubba looks like right here on the podcast at our YouTube channel. And make sure to join our Facebook group. I'm talking Dynasty, Keeper Leagues, uh, get your questions answered. There's a lot of really good discussion going on over there as well. Come mingle at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. When we come back, we have a few more player debates to get to. Some names we actually agree on. And top five Metallica songs of all time here, Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What are we going to do with this guy, Bubba? Because it seems like you plant your flag, you have these aggressive rankings, and I guess it goes the other way, too, because you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ranked outside your top 12 as of now at first base, your 16th ranked first baseman for Vlad Guerrero. Bubba, didn't you see the pictures? They're going viral. He's in the best shape of his life, and it's only November. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan. I see Pablo Sandoval do that, too. Yikes. Um, <laughs> so, so that one stinks. The biggest thing with Vlad, and it stinks because if anybody listens on the, listens to this, listens to Bench with Bubba, I, I love the baby Blue Jays. That's what I call them. There, there's a lot of talent, young talent, and I love Ladito. I'm a big fan of his. But when you have a 54.5% ground ball rate, it's very tough to be the power hitter we want you to be. And that just stands out as a massive red flag. Now, is he a little lower than he probably should be? Sure. I, I, I could see that argument. But it's one of those where he needs to really get there because there are many more people that are going to be higher on him than I am. So, A, I'm never going to probably draft him. He's going to have to fall to me is what it's going to come down to. I think he's super talented. There's just been too many kind of holes in the game. He's supposed to be this big batting average guy. He hit 262 last year with a 282 Babbitt. You know why? He gets the ball on the ground a lot. Um, he doesn't strike out a lot, which is great. I'd like him to walk a little more if he could. He's not going to steal you any bags. So if he's not hitting you 30-plus home runs and hitting you 285-plus, he's really not helping you out a lot because with these Jays, you have Gritchick and Hernandez and Biggio and all these other Jays, even Rowdy Telez now, the chance to drive in runs are fewer and far between with these guys right now. So he has to produce home runs and average, and he has not been doing that right now. The biggest issue for Vlad is the ground balls, 100%. You hit it on the head. 
and 51% ground ball rate for his career. I will point out that he lowered it each month of the season in 2020, 68% in July, 55% in August, 50% in September, but 50% is still too high. I mean, we got to get that down to like 40% max. Let's get 40% ground balls, 20 to 25% line drives, and the rest is fly balls. I'd be perfectly fine with that in terms of batted ball data. I don't know if it's going to happen. I brought this up on our early third base preview, which you can listen to on demand. Um, but I was reading this article that I found on The Athletic by Andrew Stoughton. Hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, Coach Dante Bichette recently said he thinks too much has been made of Guerrero's inability to get the ball in the air. Quote, I've tried to get him away from trying to lift the ball because when he lifts the ball, if you understand swing path, you've got to catch it out front on the way up. That's what Dante Bichette said. So that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't give me hope, Bubba, that eventually Vlad is going to uh, is going to raise that launch angle. So yes, there are pictures going viral right now. He does look like he is in good shape. That he, apparently he's lost forty pounds since the start of the season, and he has a goal of losing another ten pounds and showing up to uh, spring training at like two thirty, two thirty five as his playing weight. Uh, we'll see if he can actually get there. The early ADP. 59.3 on Vlad. So a little too rich for me. A little too rich. I mean, the guy has done nothing, Bubba. And yep. like people are still drafting him inside the first five rounds. I guess drafts? part of my rankings also, it's like, okay, if I rank them bad enough, if people actually follow my rankings, they won't be sucked into taking him at pick 59. Yeah. Uh, but I will point out, I, I saw on your first base rank, so you have Vlad all the way down at 16. You have Paul Goldschmidt at number four. So I didn't really prep before. I didn't have Goldschmidt on the rundown or whatever. But um, why why so aggressive on, on Paul Goldschmidt? When it comes to Goldie, um, there there are some concerns. But if we want to talk about, and we've talked about a few other players that had you know good and bad splits last year. We talked about Tioscar and some others. He started to get it going a little bit towards the end of last season. And the one thing I have more confidence in him doing, it, it was rough this last year, but he still hit for a very strong average, which means he was putting the ball in play. He was hitting it pretty well overall. But what we're trying to get, obviously, with Goldie is you want the power. That St. Louis offense as a whole was a mess, an absolute disaster. He still he still barreled it over 10% of the time, almost 11%. He had a 40.9% hard hit rate, lowest of his career. But still, most of the time, 40% plus isn't bad. He walked a lot more this past season, so he's being more patient at the plate. There's a lot of things pointing in the right direction. His ground ball rate even dropped this past year. It was more of a line drive guy. So it wasn't like he took massive drops. He was almost more cautious at the plate. His chase rate dropped 6%. His first pitch swing rate dropped uh, over 7%. His overall swing rate dropped over 6%. So these are more things where he's just being more patient at the plate. That's what the walks increase does. So he went more, like, more Joey Votto on us. If we can get back to the aggressive Goldie, things might turn in the right way. So I have more optimism in him. Still hitting him for a good average. Maybe get some more aggressiveness. Power should return. That's what I'm shooting for. And Cardinals, please do yeah. something with this lineup in the offseason. Sign a George Springer. Trade for Nolan Arenado. Do something because, yeah. I mean, the lineup as is now, it's just not going to get the job done. Uh, I have Goldie at number nine in the ranks. One spot behind Vladimir Guerrero. I just, I have a bit of FOMO if I'm being honest, on Vlad, where I think one of these yeah. years it's going to click and we're going to get this 300 batting average, 30 home run, 100. And it will. Yeah, it, it will. One it's going to happen years. one of these years. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is you have to pay to find out. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that price tag. But if they're both on the board, Vlad and Goldschmidt at the same time, and I want to take a first baseman, I would take Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Another very polarizing player, Bubba. And I look, I understand if you've been burned by him, if that's why you have him ranked so low, I cannot blame you. A lot of people have been burned by Gary Sanchez, who you have ranked as your 16th catcher. I have him at number eight. It seems to be the end of a tier, in my opinion. Uh, it's that group of Travis Darno, uh, Austin Nola, Yasmani Grandal, I have those three just ahead of Sanchez, and then after him, you get into Sean Murphy and Christian Vasquez and and James McCann. We'll see where James McCann lands in the offseason as well. Uh, but it seems to be the end of a tier for me. I've never owned Gary Sanchez on my team, Bubba, so I think I'm not scorned, and, and that's why I can have him ranked this high. Um, what are the reasons why you have him ranked as low as you do? Yeah, you've never been scorned by Gary Sanchez. I'd, I'd keep it that way if I was you, because it's, <laughs> it's not a fun experience at all. And at least... It, 
the draft price is better this year, ADP around 197 or, or so. In the past, was a top 100 pick, and that used to really sting you. So that stunk, but he's such a conundrum because his strikeout rate's bad. Like, we talked about batting averages getting worse, but Gary Sanchez at least used to give you, like, a 230 or something um, when things were okay. Obviously, I don't ever expect him to hit 278 again. I'm not that person, but, you know, 240 would be nice. A buck 47 this year, a buck 86 in 2018. Those crush your roto teams. Crush them. Like, if you're playing points or you're playing – you know, head-to-heads, you can maybe play around a little more, especially if you don't have a, a strikeout uh, penalty in your points league. But in a Roto League, he just drains your team. And it got so bad last year. They were playing, a, I just call him Higgy, Higashioka, um, over him way more frequently. It wasn't just he was just Cole's catcher. He was catching a lot. And the other thing with Sanchez, since his defense is so bad, that's why Higgy was back there a lot. He's also been kind of getting injury-prone at times. So unless you can find a place where you can DH full-time, that's great, which with the Yankees, I don't know. I know you know you're being a Yankees guy. Quite a few DH options in that lineup that might have a little more success than Gary Sanchez. So it's really hard for me to invest in a guy like Gary Sanchez, especially playing a lot of two-catcher leagues like you do yourself. It really just kind of sucks you down. You, you can get a guy that hits 220 or so with 10 home runs much later if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, the batting average has, has been all over the place. The past four seasons, starting back in 2017, 278, 186, 232, 147. The one thing I'll point out with Sanchez, he is as shrieky as they come. You mentioned I'm a Yankee guy. I watch a lot of their games. And if you look back at 2019, he had two different months where he batted below 200 and he had like sub 700 OPSs in those two individual months. This season was a two-month season. So is it crazy to see Sanchez slump two months out of the course of a full year? No, it just happens that that was the entire year this season in, in 2020. So I agree, not going to bounce back to 270. I wouldn't really expect more than like 220, 230. I still think he has the upside to hit the most home runs at the position in any given season. Um, yeah, I think he's that cutoff for me. It's the end of a tier there. I, I mentioned the draft that I did. I got him as my first catcher in that draft at pick 175. So I've never had him before. I guess we'll find out. Papa, do you think he's on the Yankees come next year? Opening day? I don't. I think there's a good chance. It's just it, the hard part is what do you do you get him seventy five cents on the dollar? Like how does that happen? Like what do you, what do they accept? Barely. It's one of those. If they sign JT, then yeah, you'll just take what you can get. So that, that's what it'll come down to. Some uh, I have a group chat with a bunch of Yankees fans, and someone brought up change of scenery, swap for swap, Gary Sanchez for John Gray. Oh man, John Gray in Yankee Stadium with that lineup, that would be fun. That'd be really fun. And then Gary Sanchez and Coors Field. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man. You could hit 220 and I'd probably draft you high there because that's like a 40 home run launching pad. Yeah. And again, this is just pure speculation. Dude. We're just but throwing see, that's stuff That's the fun of fantasy sports, the speculating stuff like that. Because that, yeah. in real life, people still think you're crazy. But in fantasy, that opens up a whole new can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think he'll be on the Yankees either, so we'll see what happens. Uh, they would be selling low. Brian Cashman absolutely loves Gary Sanchez. Seems like he wants to give him every opportunity that he possibly can. Uh, but we shall see where he lands. All right, so those are some of the players that we disagree on. Let's just quickly hit on a few that we do agree on that really stood out to me in your rankings. And you have Tim Anderson as your fifth-ranked shortstop, and I'm with you. I'm fully bought in. I think Anderson is a 2020 batting average contributor. I think he's like a 280 batting average floor. I just fully buy in on the adjustments he's made and the hitter that he's become the past two seasons, being able to like go to all fields, hitting at the top of that really, really good lineup. Uh, so I was happy to see that you had Tim Anderson ranked that aggressively. I'm with you there. Yeah, no, Anderson's a guy that even in drafts now, as you've been looking, he's not getting the, I think, the love he still deserves at this point in time. So the fact we both agree is great. Uh, you'll have Toby on this week, and he's a big Tim Anderson guy as well, but you know, Knight shortstop off the board, round pick 40 right now in FBC. And that, to me, is a steal. Shows the depth of the position once again. But the bad average is legit. Everyone wanted to point at the, the high BABIP and this and that. But it comes back to that's who this guy is. He hits the ball that hard. Um, and it's a consistency thing. He's done it time and time again. So I love him. And that power-speed combo, legit 2020, like you said, that's hard to find. And if you can get him, uh, you know, in round three or four, after you maybe took some aces or something, that's a tremendous get to help you in a roto league with that many steals. Like you said, also at the top of that order in Chicago, that's going to be huge for a couple years to come. Yeah. So in this 15 team draft that I did, I took Tim Anderson 
in the middle of the third round at pick 36. I had I the sixth, sixth pick. I started DeGrom, got Manny Machado in the second, and then I took Tim Anderson in the third. Perfectly fine with starting that. Uh, if people want to give me Tim Anderson... I'm, I'm fully bought in. Uh, these other two, I'll quickly bring up. You have Bryce Harper as your fifth-ranked outfielder, and you have Freddie Freeman as your first-ranked first baseman. Um, and even before the Cody Bellinger shoulder surgery, I had Harper ahead of Bellinger in the outfield ranks, and I had Freeman ahead of Bellinger in the first base ranks, and it seems like uh, you're on board with both of those as well. Bubba, Bryce Harper's StatCast page is ridiculous. It was better than his MVP season. Yeah, and I had like I'm with you. I had Bellinger behind these guys even before the surgery news, even before the shoulder thing in, in the postseason. But I think it's just people don't like Bryce Harper. I really do. I think it's they see his hair or his attitude or whatever it is. I have no idea. He has a but very hateable face. He does. He has a very punchable <laughs> face, as some people will say. But um, when it comes to just playing baseball, he is as consistently talented as they come. He's a stack has played page bleeds red. The power's legit. He can even throw in stolen bases. Hits for a good ag. He does five categories very, very well, and people just keep forgetting about him, and he's one of those, if you can get him in the second, late second, early third, I think he's an absolute steal right now. Yeah, and Scott and I spoke about Bellinger a little bit last week. Um, I've, I've been worried a little bit about the lefty-righty splits. In two of the past three seasons, he struggled against lefties, and he was tinkering with his swing before the season, and, and now he has this shoulder surgery, which... It's not like a normal shoulder surgery where some people have like the torn labrum and stuff. They're fixing a dislocated shoulder. So I'm not overly worried, but shoulders can uh, sap power if, you know, heading into the season after having surgery. So just keep that in mind when using an early round pick on Cody Bellinger. All right. The moment that everybody came here for, Bubba, Metallica. If people who don't know, Metallica's... Far and away, my favorite band. I think they are the greatest band of all time. If you haven't listened to them, I say give it a shot, even if you don't like hard rock, even if you don't like metal. Uh, just some of the things that they're able to do, um, just fantastic. And I know, Bubba, you've seen them seven or eight times live. I've seen them seven or eight times live, and they're just fantastic. And the reason why I brought this up is because you open up your podcast, Bench with Bubba, with a Metallica song. So I figured if there's ever a time to do it, whatever, it's Thanksgiving week. Talk about whatever we want. You get us started. Top five. What is your number five favorite Metallica song? Yeah, and this is never easy, and the order might change depending on the day we talk. That's just yep. that's the way Metallica works. But I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one in there because you kind of have to, and I'm going to say one. And one of the things I like about it the most that I love about Metallica, and I think it's why people that don't like rock, like hard rock, can't enjoy Metallica, is they're just musicians at times. Like, they just, they just riff. And one has some of the best riffs you'll have between the drum set with Lars, between the guitar playing riffs. One's just an absolutely great, just musical piece that's got words with it. So I think that deserves to be in the top five. Yeah. And I have that on my just missed my short yeah, list. They were on the bubble one. Uh, if anyone who's played guitar hero three, it's also in that game. So if you've enjoyed it there, then you know the song uh, for me, number five, I have wherever I may roam. Fantastic song. Uh, you're going to notice a very common theme on my list here. I absolutely love the Black Album, the self-titled Metallica album. I think it's probably their best. And uh, yeah, that's number five for me. Number four for you, Bubba. Um, it'll be Fade to Black. Uh, I absolutely love it. Like it's another riff song. I, basically, you'll you'll see a trend on mine. It's ones where you have very heavy guitar riffs or just drums. And uh, Fade to Black is is phenomenal in that respect. So yeah, I can listen to that one all all the time. I may or may not get to Fade to Black at some point on this list. Number four for me, I have Sad But True. I mean, That's just one. one of the sickest openings. Like, I mm -hmm. just get, like, goosebumps thinking about Sad But True. Um, yeah, number four for me, and also off of the Black album. Number three, Bubba. For me, um, ACDC, I think, tried to rip them off, but For Whom the Bell Tolls. Like it's one of those literally you can just get like I got goosebumps just thinking and you hear this bell start off out the gate you're like okay it's something's about to pick up business is picking up boys here we go especially when you see them live like you know what I'm talking about when you start hearing the bells business is picking up so number three for me is for whom the bell tolls oh wow we did not we did not plan this beforehand so I'm pretty sad I'm pretty excited about that so I have wherever I may I may roam sad but true for whom the bell tolls look if you've ever heard it just Hearing the beginning of that, just the the ding of the bell, that riff 
jumping right in. Oof. Six song. Number two, Bubba. Yeah, this one's going to be kind of chalky for a lot of people, but uh, Master of Puppets. Just master, master, master of puppets over and over again. Phenomenal song. Yep, yep. Hard to argue with that. Number two, one that you already brought up so far, uh, Fade to Black. And spoiler alert, haven't got to number one yet. I don't have Master of Puppets or, or Enter Sandman on this list. They're both great songs, but I've just heard them so many times. I'm just like, yeah, they're fine. They're probably like top 10, but yeah, I'm going to move away from that. So I have uh, Wherever I May Roam, Sabbath Truth, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Fade to Black, four, uh, five through two. Number one for you, Bubba, yes. favorite Metallica no- song. And no Winter Sandman for me as well. That's the chalk. Like that's just too too mainstream nowadays. But I went one fade to black for whom the bell tolls, Master of Puffets. And for anyone that's listened to Bench with Bubba, the opening song is my favorite Metallica song of all time, Welcome Home Sanitarium. Mm. That's because it's it's calm, but then riffs. Like it's it's everything Metallica does all in one for me. It's Welcome Home Sanitarium. I also had Sanitarium on the short list here on the bubble uh, with one, and I also had Shortest Straw. On the uh, Ooh, on the yeah. outside looking in, which is a harder song for sure from End Justice for All, but uh, a great one nonetheless. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a take, but number one for me is Orion, big Cliff like Burton it. guy, and uh, look, it's a full full instrumental song. So if it, if you don't want to hear their voice, you just want to listen to the beauty of Metallica. Listen to Orion. It is a ridiculous song that is just all over the place. It speeds up. It slows down. It is. Fantastic. Orion for me. My Try to find the live version of that and you'll really get all of Metallica in that. Yeah. There you go. Metallica. Top five for Bubba and myself. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter at BDentric. That is at B-D-E-N-T-R-E-K, the host of Bench with Bubba. Make sure you check it out. Writer at Rotoballer and Fantasy DGens. Bubba, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you need to promote? Anything else you got going on? No, that should do it all. If they just follow me on Twitter, they'll see all the stuff and things. So I appreciate you having me. This is absolutely awesome. Fun chatting baseball with you once again, Frank. It's been a little while, so it's fun. Thanks. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, always like talking baseball with you. And I mentioned it's Bubba and the Bat Flip week here on the show. Uh, Bubba, how many times per week do you pod with Toby? Toby and I do once a week. We're in our position previews right now. So this week will be our second base preview. So we do once a week and then I do some side ones with the other guests and whatnot. But yeah, we do once a week. We've done 58 together already. So keep them coming. Very nice. Okay. So if anyone has listened to you, they're familiar with Toby. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. He will join us here Wednesday on the show. For Bubba, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Bye-bye. 